Thank you, Zora. Zora loves the summit. Um, the summit changed my life 10 years ago. It changed my uh, trajectory of where I was going, where I felt God was leading me in ministry. And it's so I always feel that the summit's profound. And every year I go back and I learn something more and I feel encouraged. And so I invite you to come to the summit with us. We're going to be at Warren Woods Church in Warren. And um, right now through Tuesday, you can go to this two-day seminar for just $99. We're a partnering church, and so that's a really great price. And so come and join Doug and Norflet and myself and many of the others from the staff. And both days we'll do lunch together and get to know each other and talk about the speakers and talk about the talks. And I, I promise you, you will leave encouraged after these two days of, of the summit. So you can pick up, there's a special code you have to have that's in your bulletin when you register online, and you can pick up a brochure out at the information counter. And I didn't introduce myself. I'm Paula Smith, and um, I'm on staff here, Grace, and I'm very blessed for that. Um, the other th thing I want to invite you to and, and encourage you to connect with is Tuesdays at Grace. So uh, Ken Bresser has been teaching for the past couple of weeks on the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity. And this week, he's going to conclude talking about the love that the Father has for the Son, and he's going to go a little bit deeper. You don't have to have ever attended before. You will learn something um, when you come Tuesday, but you'll also have an opportunity to worship, and you'll have an opportunity to sit at tables with others and connect and talk about what you're learning. So again, it's just a great opportunity. One last thing. Whenever we take communion, participate in communion, we are blessed by taking communion, um, we take a benevolent fund as you leave. And this fund provides the money needed to help those people in our Grace Church community that have hardships. So when Doug or Penny or Norflet sit with someone and we are able to offer them um, assistance, that's because you are blessing them. And so this fund is very, very important. So as you leave today, if you would be willing to give to the Benevolent Fund, that would be awesome. So now it's time to stand up and greet someone. Um, find somebody that you don't know, and Roots is dismissed. Come on. About to do it like this, about to do it like this, y'all. So I get the uh, great privilege of introducing our speaker this morning. Uh, Martin Sanders is more than a friend uh, to many of us. He is a mentor uh, to me. He's a mentor to many of the leaders here at Grace. But in many ways, he's a mentor to our church. He really has just journeyed with us over the last decade and a half and helped us to think about um, how is it that we can really be a word and spirit church if you were here uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about our desire to be both of those things, to be grounded in the Word and yet see the Spirit of God move in a powerful way. And there is 
this calling we feel like God has placed on us as a church to be a word and spirit church. And uh, Martin has just got a, just a tremendous amount of experience. He's going to talk a little bit about his organization uh, before he gets into the word. Um, but I just want to encourage you that this is a gift to us, that we have Martin here. Um, yeah, amen. He has uh, just had a huge impact in many of our lives, and so let's welcome Martin Sanders today. Very often, someone who comes out to speak like me, just typically not this good looking. Um, thank you. Otherwise, it's just strange. Um, they always say something about they're happy to be here. But uh, when I'm here, it sort of feels like I've come home. So uh, thank you. We've been uh, connected here for quite a while. And so I want to begin this morning uh, with just a brief update. You all have graciously uh, partnered with Global Leadership Organization that uh, we started a little over 20 years ago. And so uh, I notice whenever I'm in the Detroit area, there's always road construction, you've noticed. And you sit there way longer than you wish you had to. And there's always a sign that says something about your tax dollars at work. This is your mission dollars at work. Here you go. Let's talk about just a couple of things. Uh, global leadership, uh, both what I do and we have team who does this with me. Currently I'm running a, doctor, a doctoral program in New York, it's quite fun. Of our first 100 students, they came from 40 countries or culture groups. It's, uh, it's the best of multiculturalism put together. Great fun. Women and men who are both from around the world and going around the world. Created this long-term partnership with Western Australia. Most anybody who goes to Australia goes to the, the east. Uh, we go to the west. You know this, but um, Australia was sort of known in its start for being the place where the great British Empire sent all of its um, prisoners. What you don't know is that the worst ones they sent to the West. And so it's just created this generational thing of sort of lawlessness, especially among men. I was over there for Australia Day this year, and they actually had a three-day free sign-up with Ancestry.com, and here was their opening question on, on television. How many convicts are in your family tree? Now, that's not a normative question. Well, some of your families, maybe. But, I mean, there are places on this planet, you ask that question, you, they break your face. And there people would go, I don't know, I think most of mine were convicts. Those, weren't, those were clearly normative responses. So we keep going back, because only 1% of men will attend a church of any sort in any given year. So it's the place to go on this planet for someone like me to help reach men and develop other people in how to do that. We've got something coming up in uh, Jakarta, Indonesia in just a couple months. We're pulling in a thousand hand-selected young leaders from 160 countries to do leadership development with them. We're doing some teaching there, releasing a book there, etc. Both in Canada and now just this last week, we've added three other countries in the next year of gathering all of the pastors of a particular group or region around the world and getting them ready to welcome the Spirit in their own lives so they can welcome the Spirit in their congregations, organizations, etc. It's, uh, it's interesting to get invited in to be the Spirit guy. 
You're going, aren't, aren't we all? But apparently there's people who need help with welcoming the Spirit. So our organization's gotten quite a lot of invitations to do that. Notice as we go through all of these, every one of them is about training, developing, empowering the next generation of leaders. That's what global leadership does. So it's 40 countries here and 60 here and 160 there to develop the leaders to take this back to where they are and do this in their places from around the world. So let me just say thank you. You've partnered with us well for the last 15 years. We represent you when we go out there. And so when you give towards missions and you see a dollar amount, it's being invested in places you wish you could go and won't, may not get to soon, but people are taking the best of what God has and offering it there. So thank you. It's fun to be a part of your team. Now, let's transition to our text this morning. Our text comes from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 is one of those passages that has a known phrase that lots of people will remember if they've ever heard much about this. And it says, I press on. Now, I just want to warn you, more advise you, by the end of the service, we're going to do three movements through this passage. The first one is pressing on. The second one is pressing in, and then finally is pressing through. So you, you kind of have to pick one this morning. For those of you that have sort of some sort of guilt or shame complex, or those of you who are mildly neurotic, you decide which. Um, you don't get to have all three. You have to pick one. And some of you go, oh, I'm pretty good today. But as you walk through, just ask the Spirit of God, is there one of these that's sort of for me? So by way of introduction, I, I just find it so fascinating. It, it applies to Paul in this passage. How We take our human experience and sort of make it normative. We assume lots of people are like us. We assume that the life we lead and the many things we do are pretty normative. I looked on my shelf this week. I have an entire shelf of books just about um, people, Americans, North Americans, etc., and seven of them have books or have titles in them about normal. My favorite one is, Am I Normal? Well, if you have to ask, the answer, as you know, is no. Am I normal? <laughs> I have had uh, three people in the last week say to me, Well, isn't everyone like this? And everything in me wanted to go, Oh, dear God, no. Thank him that everyone's not like this. So we're going to look at uh, the, the encounter, the experience, the narrative of Paul's life in Philippians 3, and then how he changed his narrative and developed and redeveloped it. The first part of this passage, I'll just give a quick overview of this. He begins by talking to them and saying, look, I'm, I've, got to, I've got to communicate this thought to you. But very early in verse 2, he says, watch out for the dogs. Now, when's the last time you thought about that phrase? Watch out for the dogs. As you read in, he's just talking about those, those people who are strong in Judaism. They're the Judaizers. They want to force people into their style. Um, they want their normative to be everybody else's. But if you simply reduce it to that sort of religious thing, you miss the whole piece. If some of you are going, I don't feel pressured by those people. No, but you want to remember the children that are here. Because in later elementary school and in middle school and junior high and high school, there are a whole lot of dogs barking in the ears of our kids, 
We're trying to get them to come to their side. And if all you do is defend what you think is right and true, they're not going to listen. They need to see it and sense it and hear it and feel it. And if all you do is give them the counter truth, it doesn't always ring true. That's why Paul talks about it in very, very experiential terms. He then goes on to tell his sort of pedigree, bio, if you will, in my realm's CV, where he says, look, here was my story. My story was, if I could put confidence in the flesh, I certainly would. I did everything right by Jewish law. As a matter of fact, I was kind of the best of the best. Whatever made you the best of the young Jew boy, I was that one. I did it all, I did it well, I did it right. I felt good about it. So much so that I actually represented them in tearing down everybody else. I did it right. And in the midst of that, he pushes pause. And he talks in terms of this is what it's like when your narrative changes and you press on. What does press on look like? Well, when you press on, he says, to the upward calling of God in Christ. There's always something to be put aside, always something to embrace. So when you press on, you've got to deal with both personal and religious factors. Very often in a church service like this, we would spend the whole amount of time on just the the religious, the Jewish aspects of this. You would leave here knowing more about early Judaism than you ever wanted to know. But that's not going to help you that much. You see, Paul tells this story in great detail because it was his personal story. As the young Jewish boy, he wanted in his culture to do it right. And because of that, he felt great pressure and pride. I did it right. Only to figure out that the things that he thought were so important weren't that important at all. Uh, Some of you understand that story. I'm really good at this. And then figure out, it's really not that helpful. So you've got to deal with the personal factors as you press on. For Paul and others, these religious factors, for myself, not growing up around faith, these have always been challenging for me. When we first started doing conferences on welcoming the Spirit and other things, I would have people come up to me, people I knew, liked, loved even. They'd go, Martin, I just need you to pray for me. I'm overcome with guilt. My whole life's about guilt and shame, and I have lived with all this. And I want to say to them, I'm not really good at this. Somehow along the line, I figured out guilt missed me. Which meant you, some of you got my portion and yours, because you clearly got a double portion of this thing. I actually had to figure out earlier, is this a character flaw or something? Because I would listen, and I would want to go, get over yourself. But it wasn't that helpful. I felt better, but the person didn't. (laughs) And so I actually figured out I had two people on my team, uh, one who grew up in a pastor's home who decided to do everything wrong and has since come back around, and he's figured out he's actually good with these people. And we've got a couple people who are good with them. So I say, look, I like you, love you, I can help, but I'm not your best person. Go to these people, they'll help you. If not, come back and see me. I'll do whatever it takes to get you there. As you press on, be aware of what things are authentically spirit and which are just religious. Paul said there's a marked difference. I was great at the religious, but it kept me from the authentic spirit. Deal with your personal value or values. Paul said, look, I was great at all this stuff, but it didn't actually get me where I wanted to go. And then deal with what you say to yourself, what runs in your head. What do you say to yourself about yourself? 2014, I kept track of this. 
had well over 100 people come to me and ask the same question. The question was, Martin, you always talk about next level. How do I go to the next level, particularly in leadership? If I'm gonna be more effective, what does that look like? The youngest one who came was and asked was 19, the oldest was 81. I gave the same response to everyone who came. It's not very often you give the same wisdom to a 19-year-old that you give to an 81-year-old, but in this case it is. Track your self-talk. What runs in your head unguarded? What do you say to yourself about yourself? What are those lies you believe? What are those things you say that aren't true? What are those things that make you feel good but they're not actually real? What are the things that just run unguarded? What runs there? Track them. Paul came to the place where he said, those things that I, saw, that I thought were so cool and interesting in my head, dead wrong. And I needed to address them to move on. If we're gonna press in, excuse me, press on, we've gotta look at this sense of this intensity, purpose, focused passion. When you talk about somebody who ever uses a phrase, it's time to press on. You know what it's like. It's like we've come up to the end of this. We're making a transition and now we're going for this one. It's clear in their head and they want it to be clear in yours. We're leaving this part behind and we're going in this direction. Press on. Intensity, purpose, focus, desire, passion, all a part of that. And he said, here's why I do this, because I'm going for the upward way. Now, I wanna tell you, for me, a fun story. Please don't listen. It's always a good communicator who tells you not to listen. I want you to see it instead. One of the clearest images in my mind over the last number of years is uh, climbing hills, mountains, etc. I remember doing one a while back. It was uh, down right on the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. Not giant mountains, but nice sized hills. And I remember going, this is gonna be a fun day. I wanna go up there and sort of see, I'm gonna take my journal and pause and see what's going on. It was hotter and more humid than I anticipated. And I got part way up and go, this isn't as cool as I thought it was gonna be. This is hot and sticky. And I thought, I'm gonna sit for a minute. I thought, this is a great view. Pulled out my journal and started and went, wait a minute, I didn't come here for this. I don't want just a pretty good view. I looked up and thought, there's a spot right up there. It'll probably take me at least 20 minutes. But if I go up there, the view's gonna be even better. So I got to my feet and thought, eh, come on, it's not that hot and sticky, let's do this. Climbed another, took me 25 minutes. Got there and sat down, and it's just where you could begin to see the mountain ranges come and form together. It was beautiful. Sat there and went, glad I took that extra almost half hour to climb, this is great. Just sat there and journaled and looked and went, God, this is amazing. And I don't know if it was in my own head or prompting from God, and it was like, look up. I looked up and I could see a spot, and I thought, if it's this good here, imagine what you can see from that one. And I thought, I'm not usually a whiner, at least not in my mind. <laughs> and I thought, it's a little too hot. I'll be hungry by the time I get down. I thought, no, come on, mate, go. And when I got there, you cannot believe. I was so happy I didn't stop at the first two because it was just majestic. You've been there. You've been there. And this phrase has stuck in my head ever since. 
the distance is always worth the difference. Don't ever stop. Press on. It's this clear sense, if it's even good here, why would you stop? Why would you stop? Because the father of your soul is going, you think you got dreams for you? I got better dreams for you. Come on, partner with me. Let's do this one. The text now moves on. I've got the text for you. Let's take time to read this one carefully, the next several verses. Beginning in verse 7. Paul says, but whatever were gained to me, I now have to consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. He says, I consider them garbage, literally rubbish, trash, uses a word that's sometimes translated and not a great word, the stuff that smells and isn't around and you don't want to keep it there. In other words, get rid of the junk of your life. He said, I want to, I consider them that so that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law of being a good person, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith alone. And he uses this great phrase. He said, I want to know Christ. Yeah, I want to know the power of his resurrection. And then a phrase we seldom use. I want to participate in his sufferings. I want to become like him even in his death so that somehow I can attain the resurrection of the dead. He said, I've not laid hold of this yet. I haven't gotten there. I've not arrived. Uh, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. And then it's always fun as a speaker. Do you do the southern accent? What do you do here, brothers and sisters? This doesn't seem right to be formal here. Brothers and sisters. Come on. I don't consider myself as having gotten there or taken hold of this yet, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I strain toward the goal of what's ahead. I press on to that goal to win the prize for which is God has called me upward in Christ Jesus. We transition now from press on to press in. Pressing in, the intensity level goes up, but with a bit of softness as well. Because the heart of the Father welcomes you more than pushes you. He says, come, come be with me. Come and I'll change you. Come. There's a softness, but an intensity. It's resting, but it's pressing. The word that pictures in my head here is the engagement idea. You know engagement, there's two of them. For most of you, the one that pops in your head is people in love. People in love are both fascinating and terribly annoying. Because you're self-absorbed and focused on each other. Usually in a good way. But notice everything about them. They're focused on the other person. They're focused on the relationship. They're focused on love. They're engaged. Unfortunately, in the world we live in, there's another engagement. That's a military one. Military engagement. You are clearly focused. And you want to make sure that whoever's beside you is too, because your life depends on the fact that they get this and they get this right and they stay clear and focused. They have the same passion and desire and intensity. 
that's engagement as well. When God comes to us, it's both. It's this sense of welcoming us with the love of the Father. It's also this intensity of you've got a job, we've got a mission. This is not a time to play it safe. This is a time to press on, press in, and press through. So he talks in terms of expanding our capacity to love him, welcome him. He talks in terms of figuring out the love of Christ and how much deeper and higher and wider and broader it is than you've ever known. It's that kind of intensity. When we press in, it's the father of your soul. It's the father's presence. It's the father's heart and father's love. Last weekend was a unique and fun weekend for me. Saturday was my youngest daughter's birthday. Next day, of course, was Father's Day. So I drove to Philadelphia, had lunch with my two daughters, new son-in-law, and had a great time. And then one of the young chaps I've been mentoring for quite a while, young business exec, was turning 40. Bill's a fun guy, about 6'5", probably up to 280. He carries it well. Some of us do. And he was having his 40th birthday, run at a giant place, and was just bringing people in throughout the week, various kinds of people. He asked if I would be there. I was uh, 21 years older, 20 years older than him, and sometimes 35 years older than some of his friends. I was clearly far and away the oldest one there. In my mind, instead of being the old guy, I was the man of wisdom. Makes me feel better in my mind that way. Played an interesting role during the week, though. Most of his friends weren't people of faith. And in the midst of that, I got to have very private conversations with all of his friends, often because they initiated. One of his best friends is much shorter than him. We had a short conversation. Thank you. And afterwards, I said to him, mate, come in, come here. Just come on in. You, you, you just need, you need hug. You didn't get enough I, I'm not even going to bring your mom into this. You never got enough from your dad, so come on. I just grabbed him and held him tight. He was short enough he came about right here on me. And he didn't let go. It was a little awkward for a while. <laughs> I was thinking, are you going to leave? I didn't want to say anything. He didn't pull away. And I thought, no, I can do this. And all of a sudden, he pulled his head back and he goes, I can hear your heartbeat. He said, when you talk about God, it feels like I'm hearing his heartbeat for me. Yep. He said, I've never cried before. And I said, you're doing pretty well right now, buddy. (laughs) You see, so much of this is not about what you believe. It's what you experience. And when you press in, you press into the very heart of the Father. You press in to get at the stuff that's not in your head. It goes a lot deeper than that. And you press into the Father's love to figure out what's, what's below your awareness. See, there's a whole bunch of you that are going, I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, who wants to do okay? The issue is you haven't figured out how to access the depths of this stuff. And God's saying, press in. Come on. Come on, be with me. Let's do this one together. Get out of your head. 
Let's experience this. To identify what's actually there. Because there is this thing in our planet called the false bottom. Now if you've thought about it, let's go to the heart picture, can we? Go to the heart picture. You can see why I never made it as an artist. You see, when both Testaments talk about loving God with all your heart, for some of you, you get nervous because you're going, I I don't even think I know all my heart. I don't even know what's there. There's a whole lot below the line that hasn't ever been explored. For a number of you, because of hurt and pain, some of you never learned the skills. For some of you, it's pretty scary to go there. Now, 16 years ago, I had this unique accident. I um, shattered my ankle, 25 breaks. They wanted to amputate. I talked them into leaving it on. They agreed, and they said, when it's bad enough, you'll come back to us to take it off. And I haven't been back. It's, um, it's okay, it's taken me to 40 countries since. It, it does okay. I'm just finishing my, or starting my 30th year as a graduate school professor. It's kind of funny, half my life now. I've been grad school prof. But I've had grad students forever. And uh, I talk to them about this heart stuff and expanding the capacity of their heart and accessing things that aren't there. Their emotional underdevelopment. And they usually push back and go, why do I have to do that? Like, I'm fine, aren't I? Uh, So sometimes I actually take off my shoe and sock. I've got a nasty scar. I can actually go into places in uh, Harlem and Bronx and uh, go into pub or bar. I I can win a scar contest. I've I've done it all the time. I show them my scar and they go, oh, dude, you win. (laughs) So I take it off and I say to the students, look at my scar. I said, all I've got that moves are my toes. That's all I got. No, don't ever think that if I had a chance to get a full range of capacity of movement back, you think I wouldn't do whatever it takes to get that? See, you're functioning in heart at about 20% function, and you're telling me that's good enough? Why would you stay there? Why wouldn't you access the capacity to both love and be loved at an 80 or 90% range, why would you stay where you are? Oh, this is a big one, folks. Because you see, the father of your soul is saying to you, come on, press in, be with me, be like me. I want to conform you to the image of my son. I want to do things in you you don't even have the capacity to dream of yet. And you're going, I'm pretty good here. Uh, I'm okay. I think I'm normal. And he's going, it's up to you. Next picture is one of my favorites. <sighs> Had this great experience this last year. A good friend called me and said, Martin, I, I, just, I just got something sent to me. I want you here when I open it. I went, that's kind of a strange, strange request. And he goes, I want half a day. I'm not sure you can afford half a day. But uh, he told the story, and I thought, this is kind of fun. 
He goes, uh, my grandfather passed away some time ago and my father actually got this chest and he never did anything with it. Nobody in the family wants it. It's kind of an ugly thing. And everybody goes, it's not really high quality. And so he said, they called me and said, do you want it? And he goes, because it was my grandfather's, I said, yes. And they said, it's really strange. It's not very good quality, but it's really heavy. So they shipped it to him and he said, I want you to be here when you open it. And I said, am I like Geraldo or why? <laughs> Why am I supposed to be here? And so we took a look at it and I said, I'll bet you this sucker's got a false bottom in it. He goes, what's a false bottom? I said, don't you watch detective shows? Like, come on, there's always a false bottom. Like jewelry stores, they have jewels on top. Drugs and guns are right underneath that. It's in the false bottom. That's where they make their money. Come on, don't you know that? So I said, come on, let's explore this. And I found these little things, these little release pins. Somebody else had missed them. And there were four of them. And we took up the false bottom. And this guy just tears started to roll. He said, the thing I remember most about my grandfather's following around, he always had a jackknife in his pocket. It was on the farm. And I used to say to my grandfather, can I have a jackknife? And he goes, I'll, g I'll give you one someday. He said, he died when I was nine, I never got a jackknife. The grandfather's collection of jackknives were under the false bottom. He got the entire collection. Also in there, the reason it made heavy were there were all these arrowheads. Native Americans left them around all over on the, the farm area, grandfathered walk. He'd find them, he'd collect them. This thing was heavy because it had treasures in it. In a false bottom. There's always one of two things. There's either family secrets or family treasures. Oh, that'll preach. If there's family secrets, they have to be brought into the light and addressed. If there's family treasures, you want to open it and bring them into the light so you can see what's there. When you press in to the very heart of the Father, You've got to address the secrets first in order to get to the treasures. Ah, but it's worth it. There's one more part of this, and that is pressing through. Because you have to press through when it's so hard you want to quit. You have to press through when you think, I don't even know if I know how to get there or if I want to. So the part of the passage says, I have to forget what lies behind and press on. Let's talk about forgetting, forgetting what lies behind. I've worked with men forever, worked with too many men who haven't been great guys. They know it, the people who love them most know it, their families especially know it. And I've listened to a whole bunch of guys and I've said to them, what are you gonna do with the bad choices, etc.? What are you gonna do with it? And I've listened to so many men go, you just draw a line and you move on. So that's great for you. What about the people who love you most and were hurt most by you? Can they move on with you? Usually not an answer to that. So it doesn't do you any good to move on if the people who love you most still remember what you were like. So if you can draw the line and move on, go. But too many can't, 
and especially can't because of the people nearest them. So what do you do? Since you ask, forgetting what lies behind? Can we have that slide? Forgetting what lies behind. You face it. You face it, you stare it down. You don't hide from it. You don't excuse yourself. You don't tell nor believe lies. You stare it down. You remember in the false bottom? It's where the secrets and the treasures both lie. If there's something to do there, go after it. Make sure you go after it and you put it in perspective. In order to do the forgetting what lies behind, sometimes we've got to do some, select, some selective forgetting. Some of you are way harder on yourselves than you should be. Mostly because you don't understand God's grace. And then we have another group of people in the room who are way too easy on themselves. This isn't a balance, folks. This is to get both right. Where you need to be tough on yourself, be tough. Where you need extra portion of God's grace, be soft enough to welcome it. Yeah. And press through. What's press through look like? It is the full court press. We've just wrapped up the NBA season. I remember when Detroit had a team. I'll, I'll repent later. I grew up in Cleveland. Sorry. Sorry. No, let's stay focused here. Let's stay focused here. Come on. The full court press. The full court press is you never let anybody get away with anything. You put pressure on so this thing doesn't get away. You make sure they have to deal with it and to challenge and get through it. If you're going to press through, it is like a full court press. You do whatever it takes to get through this thing because you don't want to surrender and give up. Because this is big. It is the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's good. Begin to address what's there and what's not there. Let's wrap this up. As we go to the box one more time. As we go to the box, you go, what's in there? Take a good long look. There's a false bottom. Are there some things that you'd rather not remember that need to be brought into the light? As you look at it one more time, if you go after the dark stuff, is there a possibility there may be some treasures that await you that you've never ever experienced in your life? It's time to go after them. Two phrases to finish. You have to go through and identify the secrets to get to the treasures. The other one, the distance is always worth the difference. Now I told you when we wrapped up, we were gonna do one of three things. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask all available prayer people to come, and available prayer people is, if you know how to pray, come. For those of you who it's time for you to press on, you're going to come in this center section. You're going to stand, you're going to kneel, you're going to sit, you're going to do whatever. You're going to say to God, and if you want to, to somebody who's going to pray with you for you. 
it's time for me to quit excusing myself and to press on. No more excuses. I'm entering the no excuse zone, and I'm going to press on. For those of you that's time to press in, you've been far too casual, you've excused too much, and you've left it casual, and you've not accessed the entirety of your heart. You're afraid to look at this thing. That's the press in crowd. You're going to come here. The kinder prayer people are going to be over here for you. On this side is the press through people. These are the people who are gonna pray tough stuff into you. We've already sanctioned them. They're gonna pray tough, they're gonna hug you. I'm gonna come around 13 extra wide. If you need it, we use it. Whatever it takes, you're over here. Press on, press in, press through. I can tell that for a number of you, the Spirit of God's going, don't leave here without getting this one. I set a table before you. Eat before you go home. Don't walk away from this one. This is yours. Pray with me, please. God, I love how you love us because it's not just always soft and welcoming. There's such strength and authority and power and confidence and courage in it. You start where we are and then move us to that next level. So there's some that just need to get on the track or get back on the track today. It's the pressing on. Don't let them miss this one. There's some you've been trying to get their attention and say, come on, I want you. I want a closer connection. I want this partnership to go someplace. I want to be loved with all your heart. And I want to give you the capacity to do that to others. Come on, let's do the partnership. It's the press in piece. Help us. Lord, I, I especially know how hard it can be. Wish I didn't. But sometimes... Sometimes we've got to press through when it would just be so much easier to give up. You know who we are. Don't let us get away. As we wrap this service, please, do what you do so well by your spirit. Bring us to that next level of wholeness and holiness in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please stand. You know who you are. Press on, press in, press through.